Welcome to another edition of Touring the AFC South. I am your host, Mike Patton. And on this episode, we have Miss Don Montgomery stopping through. You're definitely not going to want to miss our conversation, of course. But up first, I want to thank you all for tuning in, whether you're tuning in on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, wherever it is, I thank you. And if you don't want to miss any of these episodes, go ahead and subscribe so you can get that notification. Also, if you're listening on Spotify, go ahead and rate the show. You can rate this show one through five. But of course, you know, I would prefer five stars. And on Apple Podcasts, you can rate the show again, one through five. I would prefer the five. And you can also leave a review there. I greatly Greatly appreciate it. Now, before we get to my conversation with uh, Don, we're going to get into my get it off your chest moment. Now, who remembers the 2021 draft? A guy named Zach Wilson. Plenty were curious about him. They knew he was talented, thought he might be the guy potentially, but there were questions out there. Is he big enough? What kind of competition did he face? He wasn't the captain on his team in college. So I'm worried about that. But even with that, the Jets drafted him second overall. So fast forward to now, his rookie year, I'll I'll say, his rookie year didn't necessarily go as planned for the Jets, I mean, of course, you know, he had played 13 games. He ended up what, throwing for 50, 55-yard completion, 55.6 uh, completion percentage, 2,334 yards. You know, nine touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Wasn't very pretty or very much to write home with. Write home to, I'm sorry. So in his second year, same offense, same of course, same offensive coordinator, same head coach. People were expecting potentially a jump in his play. Well, I will tell you this. We've seen a jump, but it's been a jump backwards in his play. I mean, he's only played eight games. He's completed 123 passes, uh, 54.9 completion percentage, which is down from the previous year. He's not anywhere near the yardage, and he's thrown... Six touchdowns and six interceptions this year. Not necessarily the greatest thing for a quarterback trying to develop. And not only was he, you know, not only do you have the stats out there, but you also have just the way he looks on the field. It just looks like his timing is off. I mean, there was a play against the Jaguars, who, by the way, they lost the game to the Jaguars. Uh, 19 to three in this game, in this Thursday night football game. 
there was a play on a a pattern. It was just a simple like a five yard and hooked it up by uh, Wilson for the for the Jets. He throws it out in front of him like he's expecting him to push it up the field further. He had chances to make big plays downfield, didn't put enough on it both times. I mean, it just seems like he does not have it. Whatever it is, he does not have it. And it's escaping him. And with that being said, he's headed towards a not-so-great place. There have been quarterbacks that have not done well being drafted this high, and it's very alarming that Zach Wilson has not been pulled not once, but twice this year. Twice this year. It's not looking good for Zach Wilson. And the Jets, you may want to get that extended look at Mike White and figure out what in the heck you're going to do with Zach Wilson. Because at this point, I don't understand how you can put him back in this season. And I really am curious to see how they're going to handle everything this offseason because it has not been pretty. You don't necessarily see the progressions and it's, it's fading fast. Whatever he had, whatever it is, it left at BYU at this point because not necessarily the most consistent guys this consistency you would think would be better in the second year, but unfortunately it just looks like he's not the guy. And it is what it is. The Jets will figure something out. I'm pretty sure their coaching staff will figure something out, but I don't know if that's something involves Zach Wilson long-term. You know, of course I could be wrong. He could turn it around, what, next year or the next two games or anything of that nature. However, right now, the hope of that happen is very, very bleak. That's my Get It Off Your Chest segment for this episode. We're going to take a quick break. And up next, you'll hear my conversation with Miss Don Montgomery on touring the AFC South with your host, Mike Patton. Going through some things and not quite sure who to turn to? Well, let me tell you about Peace of Mind Counseling and Life Coaching. They offer services ranging from mental health counseling, parenting classes, life coaching services, therapy, alcohol and drug assessments, and so much more. And all the services are monitored by licensed supervisors. Also, they're currently offering free consultations for counseling or life coaching. All you need to do to get started is reach out to them online at www.peacemindclc.com or give them a call at 615-930-1230 to get started. Again, you can reach out to them online at www.peacemindclc.com or give them a call at 615-930-1230. So if you feel you need to talk to someone or know someone that needs to talk to someone, Take the time to reach out to Peace of Mind Counseling and Life Coaching, where the motto is, it costs you your peace of mind, then it is too expensive. Welcome back to Touring the AFC South. I am your host, Mike Patton. And on this episode, 
I want to talk a little bit about media. <laughs> of course, we aren't necessarily liked at all times, but we do have our battles ourselves, too. <laughs> Here to talk about that is award-winning journalist and someone that really, really tells it how it is <laughs> at all times. Miss Don Montgomery, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I am doing just fine. You know, I, I, I see you on the on the Twitter streets talking about a few different things or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, somebody done, done, done definitely made her mad today. Well, <laughs> I think it's one of those things where people know that I've worked in the industry. So generally, like, I'll get, like, a message here and there, like, hey, have you seen this? Or, hey, did you um, happen to watch this during the game? And I really haven't, you know, been watching the NFL season. I just, like, after walking away from sports media um, earlier this year, I was just kind of like, mm, I don't think it's for me anymore. But I do work with, like, athletic programs, various universities, on, like, fan experience things, because that was kind of what my sports media outlet was focused on, was fan experiences, as well as, you know, just covering, you know, the games, covering the players, covering, like, up-and-coming journalists and things like that. Because one of the first um, up-and-coming journalists that we covered was Taylor Rooks. And I mean, look at where she is today. And literally, she's a go-getter. So, but fans' favorite fan at the time was one of the first few outlets at the time that really did an in-depth interview on her and kind of put her story out there. So I just think it's one of those things where, for me, when I'm in the Twitter streets, it's just like, I'm gonna keep it real. You know what I'm saying? Because if you're really in the streets, like if you're in the hood, somebody gonna tell you the real. Like they're not gonna sugarcoat it. They're not gonna be like, I'm gonna spare your feelings. Like, no, I'm just gonna be 100 with you. And, and, and also another thing that I think most of my male followers are realizing now is I'm gonna give you a different perspective because maybe you don't know. So I'm not going to always assume that fans know these things behind the scenes, especially in regards to like media, but I'm going to educate you and allow me to show you that perspective or tell you, no, this is the protocol or this is how this goes and actually accept that because I might not be there, but trust me, I've been there, you know? <laughs> right, right, right. Now, of course, can you give everyone just the extent of your experience so they can kind of get more familiar <laughs> with you? Oh, God. So first of all, most people that have been following me on social media for like over a decade, they all know that I used to be a professional model. So I was in like hair campaigns. You know, I was on billboards, you know, Marta buses around Atlanta for jeans company. Um, I'm out of a T.I.'s clothing line for a couple of years. My, one of my billboards actually got protested and brought down in Newark, New Jersey by the infamous <laughs> Cory Booker at the time. But that's a whole nother conversation. Um, so it's kind of like I've always been that person, <laughs> no matter what industry I've been in, to kind of push against the norm, you know. And so when I walked away from modeling, I just was like, you know, I, at the time I was a housewife and blah, blah, blah. And then eventually like football season rolls around. Football is my thing. Like it would be every weekend me grabbing all the kids because we were a blended family. So I had my kids and then his kids. I'm like, hey, let's go to Clemson or let's go over here to the University of Tennessee or let's go to this HBCU this weekend. Let's go to South Carolina or something, you know, like just getting on the road and showing them different experiences because they weren't raised that way. But I was like my mom, every weekend, we were either somewhere at a ball game or we were sitting in front of a TV watching ball games all day long. So this is something that has always just been inside of me. And at that time, 
while married, I just decided I was going to create like this fan experience blog because nobody really talks about actual fans. And I wanted it to actually be cool to be a fan in the sports media industry because a lot of reporters are actually fans if we're going to be 100. They're, they can't admit it. They can't say certain things or they can't, you know, tweet certain things because of they have to be unbiased, you know. But for me, it was like, OK, but what if you actually had people who either went to school for communications and journalism or who had those media backgrounds and actually just kind of pivoted and became like a super fan, you know? So right. I created that and it just flew, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, you know, <laughs> I, would, I would travel with um, college game day whenever they came in the Southern region to kind of do shows here. So we would be there consistently for things like that. I built a relationship with various people, big names in the industry. And it was one of those things where most of those people were like, who is this girl? Who is she with? So, <laughs> so for over like roughly, because that's kind of started about 2012. So that's like 10 years, you know what I'm saying? Where it's like consistently building these relationships and doing the things. And because my outlet ended up becoming more mainstream, which we know that kind of means more covering power five schools and things of that nature, I built a, an alliance with HBCU Game Day. And Steven was so open with working with me because I learned how to get credential to games. So when I started learning how to get credentials to games, I'd reach out to him and be like, hey, this HBCU plays this Power 5 school or they got a pay-for-play game, you know, to get this check over here in this other conference. Do you want me to go cover or do you want to send somebody there and I make sure that, it, that you all get the credential or I get the credential? And so when I learned that, I was like, oh, bet. We're having to start putting more black and brown people up in here, like putting that through there. Because after a while, it was like, Okay, I didn't want to always be on the road. I didn't always want to, you know, cover games and things like that. And most people, that's kind of what you have to separate the actual journalists and the and the fans that are journalists, right? Because mm -hmm. there are some people who always want to be seen or always want to be there to cover the games. When necessarily, I feel like, especially if you're black or a brown person in this industry, it is your utmost duty to find a way to bring one or two other people into those spaces, you know? And I was consistently walking around with people. Eventually, I started, you know, there were more, um, I'll be honest, there were more white and Asian people that started trusting me um, and seeing what I was building, who wanted to work with me and start with me and kind of see how things would go and then go from there. And they start doing their own thing. And there's no problems with that, you know, because they're going to go far. You know, like think of the privilege that they have to build a platform and somebody throw money at them. But someone like me, I'm like, I wasn't being discriminatory of not working with them. It was just, if you're going to come in and you're going to learn how I do things, one of the main things I want you to take to your business is hiring a more diverse audience or more diverse voices to kind of appeal to that type of audience. So um, it's been fun. So it's been like 10 years. I've covered five Super Bowls. I've covered um, Penn State Relays, you know, twice. Anybody that knows anything about Penn State Relays, they know that generally you get introduced to up and coming Olympians in, in, in the Americas. And so it's like, it's one of those things where you find out who is going to be the next person um, and things like that. So that's, a, that's an exciting event. I've covered um, national championships. I want to say maybe five years in a row too, five or six years. No, actually it's been in, it's been around for since what 2015, so seven years. Yeah, yeah. 
seven yeah. years. I've covered it. I've covered it every year except for except for maybe one. Um, so yeah, six or seven years doing that. And then it's just like people will always like question like if they saw me, <laughs> like they knew I was there to work, but it would be like, well, who is she with? And generally, I'm either working with black press now or I'm there by myself. And I've earned that right to kind of just like really stand on my name and kind of like reach out and say, hey, I've covered this before for these outlets, but I want to do something different or have a different angle I want to cover. And I can go from there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm hoping everyone is listening and paying attention to the extensive, uh, <laughs> you know, things that you've done and the, the lanes that you've created. Yes, I'm pretty I, you know, sure I left out a whole gang of other things. <laughs> we don't have time for it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I, I brought you here for a particular reason. I wanted you to talk a little bit about NFL, but of course, specifically, we're going to talk about the media and we're going to talk about a particular incident that happened in Tampa Bay. Now, for those that aren't aware, Giovanni Bernard is a running back for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and he's been injured all season, uh, most of the season, but he played in the game versus uh, versus the Cincinnati Bengals this past week. Um, of course, they were up 17-3, uh, ended up losing the game. After the game, of course, he's leaving the locker room. I guess no one asked any questions or anything or whatever. Then all of a sudden, a reporter or a few reporters are like, it's like they're hunting him down in the locker room. He turns around. It's almost like he's like, what is going on? He had like, yeah, he had that look like, okay, what is this? And then he also, then he gets the, you know, with, along with them trying to ask him questions, they're 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 chiding him for being injured all year. So to me, that was watching that was very cringeworthy. Um, what was your first reaction when you saw that that interaction between media and uh, Giovanni Bernard? My first reaction was, how could they be that disrespectful? You know, and I immediately like kind of turned on my reporter hat because then I was like who on the communications or PR team for the Buccaneers didn't stop that? Like, it, it's almost like we know that in those locker rooms, the PR people for the team or the organization or communications team for the, for the team or what have you, they're in, the, they're in the locker room. They're managing media. They're, they're able to say, okay, you can ask this question. You can ask that question or you next or you can't do that, blah, 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 right? And you don't see until after he actually turns around and settles himself to actually give the actual interview to them before someone from the, from the books says, Okay, now just go ahead and just ask your question, you know, like to hurry them up. My my biggest gripe that I do generally have about this entire scene, right, is that there's a woman who's being attacked single handedly because she posted the video. Now, granted, she shouldn't have posted the video because it wasn't going the way that she thought it was going to go because it was almost like I, I'm getting down to the story. But no, girl, that's not what you were doing. But my thing is, is like there's a whole like one or two male voices that were supporting her. Like there's one guy that I know is to the left of her that was leading this like attack on him. And if I if it were me and I was recording this and I was like dumb enough to share this, I would have panned over to get his face <laughs> real quick. Right. going to make it seem like. If I'm doing my job, then there's other people in this group that's doing the same thing, too. And I've tried to find different angles of that video and nobody else has released, you know, because normally <laughs> like that happens. You can find, oh, somebody was behind him and they got this angle. And so that's the guy who was next to her. Right. Mm -hmm. There's nothing. Like they're literally mm -hmm. allowing her to be the person that catches all the heat. And trust me, she deserves it. 
all the heat. No snowballs, mm -hmm. my fireballs thrown at her because she was wrong. But the biggest thing to me is, is that in that instance, one thing that I would have asked for her to do, honestly, was to name the other press members who were doing the same things that she was doing. Because at the end of the day, being a woman in sports is already hard. But if you add on to that, if I'm a black woman in sports, oh my God, hell, right? She's a white woman in sports. She has privilege. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So that's why mm -hmm. she felt dignified in posting something like that. And then even in her apology, it was bull. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I get maybe there is a level of accountability that you can read in her apology. But my biggest thing is that your apology needs to be as loud as your disrespect. I've always been one. If you do something to me, I'm talking about me. If you do something to me and the whole world gets to see it, you need to apologize real big. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The whole world <laughs> right. needs to see the same I want a billboard. I want my mm. apology on the next martyr passing by. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it's one of those things where, baby girl, you said you apologize to him. <clears throat> now, mind you, I don't think she would lie about that, but to me. You know how reporters tend to be, especially if they have certain relationship with players and they work with a team organization. They can ask them to do like a selfie video like they can hold a phone and be like, hey, I just want to do a video. Um, and you can do this after you've apologized to him just to kind of express that you want to let people know that you talk to him one on one. Like there's so many ways that she could have handled this after she decided to post that that cringy video of them attacking him. But I want to know who the men are. <laughs> I don't know who the men are. Like I want, I want somebody to say, "This is Buddy, who was right next to her, saying X, Y, and Z." Because I'm gonna need them to catch some of this heat too. Um, you and I both know. He actually, he actually, uh, he actually, I think he apologized too. But I still don't know actually who he is or where to That's go find him. That's my point. We don't know who he is, <laughs> what outlet he's with, and this is, and it's just a general statement that was put pushed out because she said he apologized. I, we don't know who he who he is. Like, who is him? That's true. So, right. but, but the overall thing here is just this man, He yes, he wasn't available all season. Yes, you know, you want to point out that now you're giving him time to talk to the media, but this man wanted to go step outside and speak to his family. This man is, is, is an actual human who he made a mistake and he might have needed to take some time to deal with that. And one of the things that I pointed out that most people, most fans were kind of like, Oh, they can do that was um, I said uh, I said in one of my tweets, I was like, and the biggest thing about this is, is they didn't have to attack him right then and there. When he said that he mm -hmm. didn't want to talk right then, they could have been like, OK, well, can we catch you later? Can we catch you outside of the locker room? <clears throat> Those type of things. Right. And then, two, we're going to be real reporters here. They generally have a press conference the next day. So on Monday, you could ask this man separate questions or you could have requested to talk to him the very next day if you didn't catch him immediately after the game. But there's also other players in the locker room that you can interview in the event that this man needs space. Like give him the space to go deal with his family or go deal with every you know immediate game emotions that he may have afterwards because he knows the press is coming. Like you see it in his face. He's just like, like serious, like, it, and it's coming from everywhere. And his body language mm -hmm. alone was something that they needed to respect because you're in his space, you're in his face being disrespectful and you thought you were doing your job. That's not your job <laughs> as a journalist. For those that have checked out 
my picture, my new picture for my you know graphics for my podcast, you can tell I have a new image, an updated image, a professional looking image. It's time for you to take control of your image. And you can take control of your professional image with a fresh set of headshots by the good folks of Joshua Silver's Photography. Let Josh at Joshua Silver's Photography handle your personal branding, business headshots, portrait, or any other photographic need with great pricing and even better quality. You can reach him via phone at 423-557-6746. Once again, that's 423 423- Five five seven six seven four six. You can also reach him at Instagram at Joshua Silver's Photography, or you can reach him on Facebook. Call Joshua Silver's Photography and get yourself booked today. I know I did, and he's got me looking great. No, not at all. I mean, honestly, just watching it. I watched it a couple different times, and I I, I couldn't watch it anymore after that. It was just, uh, I was just like, um, you know, and then there's a different way to approach him. Don't just go grab the man. You can grab the man and turn him around, but no, no, no. Why don't, if you, why don't you walk up to him? Hey, uh, Giovanni, I'd like to um, ask you a quick question, uh, maybe about the game or anything like that. You know, you have a few moments, something of that nature, not just walk up to him and just, hey, you haven't been playing all year. You, you should answer these questions. You want us to ask you questions then? And I was like, wow. I was like, this is like, just really disrespectful. No, you're not doing him a favor. How about that? And I mean, in, in the midst of her apology, I did read it. I didn't want to read it because, number one, it was long. And I was like, girl, ain't nobody going to read it. <laughs> <laughs> but my thing was, is it was like, you know, in being in media, you can't necessarily speak on things if you have not taking the time to, to take a look at it or watch it or review it and then, you know, come up with a sound, you know, opinion about it. Um, and just for me, it's like, even in the midst of like apologizing, she centered herself. Even in the midst of apologizing, she tried to make it seem as if, um, yeah, I'm apologizing, but I shouldn't have to because you all need to understand I'm doing my job, like still. Like that's the underlining theme in the apology. And to me, that's not an apology. <laughs> so it was just like, when I saw that, I was like, no, see, that's not it. And mm-hmm. if we are going to hold players, team owners, um, front office staff or teams accountable, we have to release our holding these journalists accountable because when they do these things, it's almost as if they make it seem as if the players are obligated to talk to them and they are not unless they have been pulled for press conferences, unless they have been pulled to speak to them specifically. If I'm in passing and I'm trying to get up out the locker room, I ain't got to stop for you. Right. I just That's keep true. it moving. And then, and then you'd be online dragging me for that. But, and then <laughs> I'd have to come out and say, well, this is, this is what the real situation was. But in my opinion, it's like he handled that so professionally. He handled that so gracefully because the way I would have still walked out of there and then maybe circled back or then told them, oh, I'll see y'all tomorrow at the, at the team press conference tomorrow. Like, mm-hmm. ain't no way in hell. Yeah. 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 It was uh, it was very interesting. And I, I definitely uh, enjoy getting your take on that one. And, uh, you know, it, yeah, definitely uh, for those that are – 
aspiring to do media or thinking of, you know, doing media, watch that and just kind of understand things you don't do. You don't do it. Even, even if you risk, even if you don't ha- are angry or upset or whatever, still respect the player and the person themselves instead of treating them like they're an object because it really was uh, bad. And then we have a, a comment from the uh, touring the AFC South inbox from Bobby Warren. Uh, he said, amen. As a former journalist, a lot of them think they are God's gift to creation. I mean, that's that's facts. And then it's like they also act as if their credentials cannot be pulled because that's another thing for me. I don't care who you work for. If I was in community, this this is another reason why I'm not in this industry because it's just a lot of stuff. I just went that slide. <laughs> but if if I was in the communications, I'd have been like, baby girl, you have to sit out the next two games because you you have no <laughs> locker room access. You you just have to be in the press conferences. You know what I'm saying? Because again, you have to also know that you earned a right to be in those spaces. That's their private area. It's a locker room mm-hmm. and you're going right. on to this player like you, you know, you know, in locker rooms, they generally are changing. They're generally like, you see shit, you ain't got no business seeing, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me you, you're going to attack the one person who's trying to step outside to kind of maybe cool off and talk to family. And you're going to bring up his injury. You're going to bring up the fact that he owes you something because he's been injured all season. Girl, and, and guys, get the hell up out of here with that. Don't do that. Don't be disrespectful because, honestly, if I were him, when she came up to me to apologize, I would know. Go on. You good? Bless you. Go on. I wouldn't, I wouldn't listen to nothing. She wouldn't have been able to tell. She wouldn't have been able to say she apologized or did nothing online for me. Absolutely not. Mm-mm. I hear you. I understand. I understand. I definitely. Um, wow. We've already went what 20 minutes talking about that. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think we've, uh, we've kind of hit, hit our time, but um, I want to thank you for coming on. We definitely are. I'm definitely going to bring you back. Of course, because well, no, we do have some more to talk about. Oh, of course, okay. you know, we do have some more to talk about. We'll talk about the, the, the last, the last thing you sent me uh, today. Well, we'll definitely, uh, bring you back to talk about that, of course. Okay. Uh, but I want to, uh, you know, ask you a few questions. Of course, okay. I do have a, I do have a, a game I always play in my show. It's uh, five questions, two answers, and one choice. So, are you ready? Yes. <laughs> All right. Modeling or doing journalism? Which one would you, if you had to choose one to do for the next five years, which one would you do? Modeling. Modeling. Okay. All right. Now, uh, interviews, post-game or, or, or uh, pre-game, which one do you think are, which one do you enjoy more? Oh, that's tough. <laughs> it's like you catch them before the stuff happens and then you want to talk to them after. It's like, ah! Um, <laughs> actually, I'll say pre-game because you get the more optimistic, like, yeah, this is what we're gonna go do and blah blah blah. Because generally, sometimes in post games, you it'll be like, oh, it'll be real bad. <laughs> <laughs> right. Unless right. you're somebody like rest in peace, Mike Leach, who was gonna give you a good interview no matter what time you put a block in front of his face. But yeah, right, right. Now, of course, I'm gonna ask you this: when interviews are media exclusive, which one, which one do you think are, are better? Or which always, one do you enjoy more? Always media exclusives because my thing is, is as a black journalist, it's important for these players who look like me to really pick up the phone and say, hey, I got something for you. 
or hey, um, I want you to break this, you know, as a source or what have you. Like, I think that's so crucial to kind of just pivot the privilege that that seems to seep into journalism as a whole. But it's but specifically for sports media, like we know there's generally one or two white men who they get everything and it's pushed out. But in certain spaces, what I've learned, I mean, shouts out to um, Sheena Quick, who covers the Carolina Panthers. She's been one who has been consistently breaking, you know, news and, you know, players have given her media exclusives. So I think that that's uber dope. And I feel like more players should find those black and brown or minority and overall um, journalists that they can reach out to so that they can help build their own platform and their names in this industry. Yeah, definitely. Sheena is definitely one to watch. And I keep telling mm-hmm. people every time she drops anything, hey, you need to be following her because she's like, the they, real deal. They question her to the death, but they won't question the Adam Schefter or nobody like that. Like, come on. Right, right, <laughs> right. I, I, I don't get it. But uh, <laughs> all right. Now I'm going to ask you this one. Sports or the political realm? Which one do you enjoy talking about more? And you know I do both. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh God. Oh God. Oh my God. Oh my God. I can't say both. Um uh I'm gonna say sports. And I'm gonna say sports just because even though I walked away, I'm still in these conversations. So and even <laughs> with you know my role now more in communications and marketing and things like that and press strategy, um, like even with the past two elections here in the state of Georgia, like working on that side of things instead of being the journalist interviewing, you know, um, candidates and people like that, being on the other side of things, I'm still, you know, well-versed in the commun- in the conversations that are being had around those things. But I will say sports, just because a lot of times when people, when people leave an industry, you think sometimes they may not know something when generally like I be knowing everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Even when yeah, I don't know, I'm like, why would you tell me that? Like, <laughs> Now you know I'm going to post something. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Now, this last question, let's see. Um, if you got to cover, let's see, the Celebration Bowl or the National Championship, which one would you choose? You had to make a choice. The Celebration Bowl, because I've done both. And, um, yeah, the National Championship game is on a grander scale, um, you got power five, you know, teams and schools and stuff like that, that you get probably, you probably wouldn't get a chance to do on a, um, on a regular basis. But I know for me, the joy that I see to see us in Mercedes Benz stadium here in Atlanta, the, the sounds, the smells. And when I'm talking about smells, I'm talking about shea butter, I'm talking about, you know, must oil. I'm talking about fish fries outside the stadium. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> it's different. Yeah, right. It's different. And I think for somebody like me who grew up in South Mississippi, I never knew that I could really work in sports. I love sports. I grew up in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, where Southern Miss is. Um, yes, Brett Farr should be in jail. Um, but <laughs> I grew up <laughs> in the South where football was everything. It was family food and football. And so walking around and watching certain people on TV, I didn't see me. Now, there was one black journalist that I would see consistently covering sports, but he was doing that in our local hometown. You know what I'm saying? I didn't see that on a national level. So when I got older and I could create my own lane, that was important for me to do that. And and also to kind of show other people you can find your way in, you know, Um, it may take you some time, but 
you know, lucky for me, I already knew players. I already knew certain journalists. I already knew certain people who worked for certain teams that was willing to give me access to kind of like prove myself. And I just don't think that most of these younger journalists are, are appreciative of those spaces. And I feel like a celebration bowl itself for a young journalist is prime, like, this is where you learn to do it. This is where you learn to be great at it. This is where you come to really show, you know, other young people in these different spaces that they can do this shit too. Because it's, you don't have to just be a journalist. You can be the camera person. You can be the producer who's conducting everything on site or on the field. Like there's other roles that we need to see more black and brown people in, in this industry. Right, right. And I haven't had a chance to cover a celebration ball yet. But, you know, the biggest thing that I, I would say, and I do cover uh, HBCUs, I actually uh, have credentials to cover Tennessee State in football and basketball. Yes, um, but the biggest thing that I get is the sense of family. Uh, yeah. the sense of family. It's almost like, you know, you're seeing somebody, hey, what's going on? How you doing? You know, y'all sit there talking <laughs> up, and it's like everybody's kind of looking out for everybody. And mm -hmm. you just don't get that sense anywhere else outside of HBCUs, in my opinion. Right, right. And I agree. You know, even with um, my first time working with the college football playoff um, and um, committee itself and working with like their social media team back in 2018 for the national championship that was in Atlanta, like I was one of maybe two black people that was on that team. And the girl who was running it, she was a young black woman. Um, but I know like she just she missed some cues you know in general you know what i'm saying where it's like this is atlanta this is a city of culture like this is a city of blackness um and they're like for you all to not know who some of these people are on the sidelines like that was mind-boggling to me and considering that i was older than some of these kids you know it was like i was teaching them on site and it's like you know, that was another thing for me. You know, most of these creatives um, who work social media for these teams, they're white and they're taking on our voices or our culture to kind of perpetuate what they think fans want to hear and see. And a lot of times some teams miss the bar on that and some teams get it right. But if you hired more of us, you wouldn't have to fake that. You wouldn't have to try to be inauthentic about that. So, um, yeah, for me, it was like it was a dream to really cover it with the playoff committee and not just as press, but and to see behind the scenes. And I, and I tell people that's an experience that I would like to see more black and brown kids do, especially some from HBCUs who may not be able to cover the Celebration Bowl, invite them to cover some of the playoff games or something like that with the college um, football playoff committee. Like, I think that would be uber dope. Um, I've reached out about that. Um, because I saw another young woman who goes to an HBCU mention something like that. And I tagged, you know, the person who was over, you know, hiring social and, you know, creative and things like that. So maybe it'll come to fruition. <clears throat> but that's one of the things where it's like for me, if you're even if your team doesn't even make it to the Celebration Bowl and you go to and you're at an HBCU or you're a black and brown creative at a power five school or something like that. Try to get you a credential to cover that because it's real. It's 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 you learn so much in that space and leading up to it because people think you just show up for the game and something like the celebration bowl. You got press conferences, practices, um, hospital visits or like community service visits and things like that. And you just learn how to be professional in these spaces. You can't just show up for the game. <laughs> right. That's right. 
just show up for the game. You got to learn how to be a journalist in all of these spaces and really cover these things because that's what helps build the coverage. And, it's, and it'll go a lot further when you do those things. And people will look for you to come and come do it again, especially if you're professional. Right. That's correct. That's correct. Well, we have reached the end of the show. I want to thank you for your time. Thank you for coming thank on you. and dropping a lot of knowledge and, and letting everyone hear um just you know we, we kind of brought a little bit more light to you know media in general that's what this show was was entirely all about of course we do like i mentioned we do have another one we gotta talk about i'll i'll, I'll reach out to you about that one try to see if we can schedule something there but um i just want to thank you again for coming on i want to uh allow you to take the floor with all you're working on where people can find you on social media the floor is yours I mean, I'm just, I'm <laughs> existing, so I'm not really, I'm day to day, I'm working on any and everything, but you can follow me, of course, on Twitter and Instagram at underscore Don Montgomery, and that's about it. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, I thank you again for coming on. I want to thank everyone that tuned in. You've been tuned in to Touring the AFC South with your host, Mike Patton. You can find me on Twitter at Mike Patton 82 and of course, you can find Touring the AFC South on all listening platforms. We're out. Peace. <laughs>